0: Welcome to the Frequency 49 Show. I'm Paul MacDonald alongside Deepak Gohill. Hello, Deepak. Hi, Paul. Joining us on the show is a previous guest and a member of the Frequency 49 Show group, great friend of the show as well, Kat Victorino. Hello, Kat.
1: Hello, guys.
0: Cat's joining us from beautiful California. What's the weather like right there now?
1: Uh, let's see. I'm in Santa Rosa and we're hitting about 85 today.
0: Oh. Fahrenheit.
1: Fahrenheit,
0: (laughs) y'all. Well, it's dark and cold, so normal evening here as we record the show tonight to enjoy the weather while you've still got it, Kat.
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: Another game, another loss. This is becoming a bit of a pattern. The game started out rather flat with punt after punt from both sides. That really summed up the first quarter. In a game that began to feel like first to score wins, it was the 49ers that drew first blood with a Jeremy Carey touchdown in the second quarter. After that, though, the story goes downhill. Arizona took charge of the game, never looked back. Another poor performance at every level of the field was capped off by a safety to end the game. Deepak, what can we say this week that we haven't been saying for the past four weeks
2: already? Well, look, um, I think we all wanted us to be competitive, which we were (laughs) until very late in the game, so we can't really complain, can we? Because we got what we wanted. Uh, But no, I I think... um, Look, we took that loss against Dallas as well, and these are the sort of middle-tier teams that are winnable games, you know, and uh, for whatever reason, we're not getting it done.
0: Taking a look at the quarterback and running back stats, Gabbett, 18 of 31 attempts for 162 yards. He threw one touchdown, but he was intercepted twice. Carlos Hyde led rushing again, 22, uh, 22 rushing attempts for 78 yards. His longest was 10 cat uh, what's the feeling within the fan group over there in california how do they feel about the 49ers
1: well as a whole i think we are feeling very much like oh my god here we go again you know we have flashes of brilliance we have these great plays i mean there was a beautiful pass that gabbert made to curly you know and there's hope there's hope and then the hopes get dashed and um honestly it feels almost reminiscent everybody's talking about it feels reminiscent of the singletary years for me it feels really reminiscent of the erickson years erickson was our coach for two seasons and that's where i'm feeling right now
0: well believe it or not i started following the 49ers in the 2003 season so (gasps) my first experience of the san francisco 49ers was actually the dennis erickson years
2: (laughs) well paul Nobody can accuse you of being a glory supporter if that's when you... This
1: is true. You are not a bandwagon fan. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Okay, the wide receiver stats. Uh, Jeremy Curley caught eight for 102 yards with an average of 12.8 yards per catch. Uh, His longest was 24. He had one touchdown on that as well.
1: Yeah, and he's actually exciting to watch. Um, he he is really going to be a force if he can get some, some good support around him.
0: There's been question raised over Blaine Gabbert reading his progressions in the same way that Kaepernick had this issue last year um, and, and maybe the year before as well. Kaepernick was always sort of going for his main target, his his, his first target, I should say we've kind of seen a bit of that now, haven't we? With Blaine Gabbert, he's finding Curley, and that's his go-to guy. Now it's okay. Making connections, but sh- you know, is this to the detriment of the other receivers on the field?
2: Um- I think so. <clears throat> I think what's important here, and and this is a one of the very few positives we can take away, is that Curly and Gabbett have clearly managed to establish some kind of connection, some kind of synchronicity, if you will, where Gabbett feels confident enough to look for Curly and perhaps make a big or a big-ish play. Now that said, you know Curly is. Um, it's not one of these receivers that's going to set the world on fire and have a a distinguished career in the AFL, though we would like that. But I think it's a step in the right direction that Gabba has actually got the confidence to know that actually he has got a person that he can go to. Now, the problem is he's got to be able to throw those, those players plays to to other receivers as well. And if if I remember right, there was one particular play where he threw it to a wide open Salak and, um, He just dropped the ball, you know. He just
1: dropped the ball, so, you know. I'm sorry to interject, but does it seem to you that he's really throwing to the receiver's hands instead of the receiver's numbers? I mean, that's what I'm seeing.
2: Okay, one of those plays that he did to Curley, he actually hit him right in stride, and he placed the ball where... There was really nowhere else he could place it for that to be a completion. It was almost a perfect throw. Is that skill or is that ability or is that sheer fluke? You know what? I don't care if it hits him between the eyeballs as long as that's a completion. <laughs> I'll take that because, what, he... I, I'm trying to think back of the stats. was 130-odd yards that he had passing. Tom Brady nearly got 500 in the first half today. You know, so I'll take any completion that's going right now. Okay. Um Something that... I read earlier
0: um, in the last couple of days that we need to talk about uh, the quarterback situation, specifically Colin Kaepernick. May well be that he starts on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. We don't know that as yet. Um, But there's been a report, there's been a story come out that the reason Kaepernick hasn't got on the field as yet is nothing to do with his fitness level. What we've heard is, is that it's all to do with his contract. The 49ers are wanting to renegotiate um, Kaepernick's contract so that if he plays and gets injured this year, he would no longer be guaranteed the $20 that he is currently guaranteed under his current contract. And that until he signs that contract, Colin Kaepernick will not get on the field. Deepak, what's your thoughts
2: on that? Paul, you know, look let's think about it sort of as objectively as we possibly can. Kaepernick played this game at the end of last season and during last season and the front office are playing it now. And it really suggests that if you, if you take it away from what football is about, this is, this is all business. You know, this is all business. You know, it's not, it's not a Kaepernick thing or a front office thing. It's a, it's a money thing. Mm. And that's just, and that's just the way the game is
1: unfortunately the fans are the ones that suffer
2: (laughs) well yeah well yeah the fans are suffering because they're paying premium money for a a subpar product really
1: Mm -hmm. well but are they i mean there's still 53 million under the cap we haven't gotten any free agents recently that are of any note not that anyone wants to come into this mess but i mean at least put it out there you know like Uh, like Play the game like business game, like, yeah, I want to put a good product on the field.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Kat. And that's really what happens when you look under the hood of what's really going on. You know, that's when those sorts of things will come to fruition is that hang on. Well, why are we having a subpar season? You know, why are we, why have we got so much money in the bank that we're not even using to to invest in, in players? You know, why? Um, that sort of ties in with why. Kaepernick isn't
0: playing there's, there's a rule in media never ask a question that you don't know the answer to I'm going to break that rule now um, we're 53 million underneath the cap right now can we transfer that 53 million to next year so that next year we have even more to spend or is it is that something that we can't do good question I don't know
1: yeah, I don't know honestly.
0: Okay, there's a job for the listeners then. If you're listening to the show and you know the answer to this one, post it up on our group page, please. Can we transfer the 53 million that we've got in cap space this year over to next year, or do we simply lose that? Another stat that I wanted to bring up, I read somewhere, an interesting stat really, it's that the 49ers defense is currently ranked 35th (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) You heard me right. The 49ers' defense is currently ranked 35th. Now, what I'm going to do is I'll go from 30. Give give you some idea what this is about. I'll go from 30. Okay. 30th-ranked defense right now is the Cleveland Browns. Right. Okay. The 31st-ranked defense right now is the New York Jets. The 32nd-ranked defense is the Oscar Pistorius intruder in the bathroom defense. The 33rd-ranked defense is the O.J. Simpson, the glove doesn't fit. The 34th-ranked defense is the shaggy-it-wasn't-me defense. And the 49ers have the 35th-ranked defense.
1: Oh, my. <laughs> You've been dying to do that. I can just tell.
2: You, you, look, I, I think in defense... Of the defense so to speak um i think the, we're running a, an offense that's a very rapid quick quick offense and whilst we don't have the ability to to play long drawn out drives that sap the clock and and keep it keep the chains moving you know because it's such a rapid offense and we've got one play after another after another and not very good players running that offense we're going to find that our defence is going to be on the field longer and longer. And the longer they play, the more fatigued they're going to be. And as we all know, at this standard, the more fatigued you are, the more prone that you are to, to making mistakes and errors. So it it doesn't really surprise me, but my goodness, it doesn't make me very um, happy either that I have to use such a lame excuse to cover for our team. Time of possession is something that we've struggled with this season.
0: Um, And, it's been progressively getting worse and worse and worse to the point that in the last game, we were down to, I think it was 20, something like 23 minutes against the Dallas Cowboys. They've actually halted that this time around, um against Arizona. And it, it, it was more even. The 49ers had the ball for just over 28 minutes. Arizona had the ball for just over 31 minutes. So they've, they've managed to turn that around a little bit and take some of the pressure off the defense speaking of the defense navarro bowman he was obviously missing from the defense we had massive holes all over the place in the defense it's it just shows you what one man can do doesn't it and then what happens when you are
2: missing that one man well you can't replace navarro bowman you know you You just cannot replace that. And it's not just what he does to the defence, it's what he does for the entire team. He's a he's a true talisman for the entire team, you know. And and I said this on the last podcast with James that it, it is a gargantuan loss. But at the same time, you have to wonder if he would actually recover from this and still express a desire to come back. And if he does come back, will he still be as effective as a player, because I have absolutely no doubt that he would be effective as a leader, as a as a motivator and somebody who the rest of the team look up to because they really do need somebody to look up to and somebody to lead them. Um, can you think of a, a leader that we have on our team right now on the field?
1: I can't think
0: of a single one. Offensively, can you say we've got any leaders? Maybe Joe Staley, one of the old guard, but not really. It's, and it's something that we're suffering with, not just on the field, mm. but off the field as well. We don't have any leaders on the field. We don't really have any leaders off the field either. We're not seeing Chip Kelly be a leader. He's being a coach, but he's not really being a leader. And the same up in the front office
2: as well. There's no one really leading this team. Yeah. Well, when you sort of say it like that, Paul, do we even have a leader on the sideline? Because it seems to me as if... Even the coach's ability to select players is somewhat limited. It's really the front office that are dictating everything now. You yeah. know, How can you lead... ...when you're wearing an Amani suit. Let's take a look at some of the
0: comments from the group... ...on our post-mortem thread. I hate calling it that, but that's kind of what it feels like right now. Uh, Simon Holdsworth... I think it's just repetition now for the last four games. The shortcomings of the team are glaringly obvious... ...and how we go about fixing it. It'll be interesting to see if the change at quarterback improves us. One thing I'll mention is the impact Curly has had at wide receiver. We've kind of discussed that. Finally, we're having someone who can get a bit of separation... ...and also make yards after the catch... Won't be long, though, before he's getting double-covered if he keeps his production up. Steve Panda Richardson, so far this season, has been a train wreck caused by a pile-up involving a coach full of nuns, a vet's van full of kittens and puppies, and a delivery lorry full of (laughs) bananas, and I can't stop watching. Uh, Graham Ross, same bulky, different game. All we can do is look for positives and pieces that will remain throughout the rebuilding process. Just not seeing many. None on the offensive side. Curly, maybe. A couple on the defence. But the whole D has been shocking this far. Is this down to Jim O'Neill? Is he up to the job of defensive coordinator? We will discuss that one um, shortly. Neil Jepsen. Um, surely with their confidence on a knife edge, the players need to take responsibility for not getting Neil 's penalties. They've been warned at the start of the season regarding taunting penalties and when Hyde gave away 15 yards, it completely halted any momentum we had at the time. That on top of turnovers is basic football fundamentals. We need to go back to basics, get some sort of platform, having a quarterback who cannot complete basic downfield throws... Overthrowing an open receiver is unforgivable at this level. Yes, there are reasons for not starting Cap, but if the way forward is to use him, then Balky and York need to back the head coach and let him use available players. Uh, and Mark Lyon, we've had 21 penalties over five games. Only the Packers have had fewer, and they've played less uh, two less games. Um, the only thing you can draw from the cards game was that the two big penalties were game changers. Hyde's torn in penalty and Robinson hitting the kicker from a timing perspective, but the kind of penalties that come from frustration or trying too hard in discipline. I've got to agree with the Hyde penalty, I've got to say. It was completely stupid. He gained the first down and then marshes back 10 yards on a needless penalty.
2: It's discipline, you know, and um, sure. I think it's, well, you, if you're disciplined, you can control your frustrations, I suppose, is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Um, but you know, when you when you get your team a first down and you're in the opponent's territory, you're in scoring range, and then you do something stupid that takes you back 15 yards, you can't tell me that heads won't drop. People will be disappointed that after doing all that work, they're back to square one again. You know, well, and,
1: and it's been the no- sorry, Depak. It's been the no fun league for so long. But and I'm not against the celebration but I see where they're going with it when you're in your opponent's face celebrating.
2: That's just classic. I, 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 I actually am with the NFL on this. I, I think it should be a punishable offense to go into somebody's face and sort of, you know, act like an idiot and and goad them because this is a team game, you know. This is, you know, when you go up to somebody in their face, the chances are they're going to want to hit you or do something to you during that game because they're, they're mad at you, you know, and... We want to keep this a sport and not WWE or something, you know. So, I think yeah. the, the NFL are correct in, in calling that. They're also correct in making it very, very abundantly clear that we're not going to tolerate this sort of nonsense. So, please don't carry on like that. And these guys can't help themselves, they do it all the time. But the penalty on Robinson, I thought was harsh, and
0: it turned a field goal attempt into a touchdown attempt. The guy slid into the kicker backwards. He had no control over what he was doing at that point.
1: Well, I, I, I agree with you 100%, but the kickers are always going to be uber-protected, and they always have been.
2: Agreed, Kat, and also the QBs as well. You know, Any sort of contact that occurs after the throw, even if it's momentum that carries people through, is going to get whittled and flagged. And... Unfortunately, there's no other way of, of trying to defend a, a field goal or a, or an extra kick than to, to go after, I hate saying this, but to go after the kicker. You've got to be able to get close to the kicker in order to be able to, to block the, the ball or or put him off sufficiently to, to miss the kick. So it, it's a fine line that you tread, you know, because I think somebody asked, gosh, I think we had a penalty on an extra kick, and somebody said, what is the longest point after kick? Yes. has <laughs> ever been awarded in the NFL. Oh, I yeah, think
1: it was six a... or something like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, the point after was uh,
2: 42 yards. Cat's uh, <laughs> absolutely right. They're uber-protected, and quarterbacks are uber-protected, which, um, and again, I, I think that debate could last a, a lifetime. Are we protecting them too much, or do we need to do more to protect the marquee players? I'm not saying that a kicker is a marquee player, but... Um, but that's all a kicker does. He's not used to physical contact. He's not taught how to hit. He's not taught how to react to a hit. You know, his job is just to kick the thing and get off the field. So, um...
1: Or possibly yeah. make the final block on a return. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Or we'll, we'll be the last one standing as a punter yeah. to, to, to chase somebody, who a special teamer who very rarely gets a touch of the ball is actually off to the races. Last thing he wants to do is be tackled by the punter. You know, or the quarterback even. So... You know, these are the rules. and you got to play within the rules. That's how sports works.
0: Something interesting that Mark Lyons censors. Um, Jim O'Neill's in his third year as defensive coordinator right now. In year one, he was with the Browns, and the Browns' defense was 32nd in rushing yards allowed. In his second year, they were 30th in rushing yards allowed. And now he's with the 49ers. The Niners are currently 32nd in rushing yards allowed.
1: Is it the coaching or is it the talent or lack thereof? I mean, that's really where we're at.
0: I could understand if we were just looking at one team here, but we're talking about a guy who's worked with two different teams and two different defenses and hasn't been able to rise above 30th against the rush with either defense. For example, David Johnson was the fourth straight rusher of 100 plus yards against the Niners a streak unmatched since official records began in 1960. Four straight rushes hitting 100 yards on the 49ers.
2: Yeah, but, you know, going back to the defensive coordinator, you're comparing two teams, the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns, who are regarded as being the worst two teams in football. So I don't think you can say it's the coach. You know, I think he he can only work with what he's got.
1: And he has, doesn't have much, unfortunately.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> No, he doesn't. It's a bit like um, in his very first book, Audibles, I think, the Joe Montana one, where he said he had to be a chef and make chicken bulky. No, chicken salad out of chicken bulky, <laughs> just, just to see, just to save Graham some editing there. But really, these coaches can only work with what they've got, right? You know, and,
1: or what they were given,
2: or what they were given, or what they've inherited. But yeah. it's it is what it is. I hate saying it, but. You know, what do you
0: do? We've spent too much time dwelling on negatives within this game. Would you like a positive? Absolutely. Absolutely. The 49ers were 100% in red zone efficiency. Three visits to the red zone, three scores. Red zone efficiency has been something the 49ers have struggled with in the last few years. So this was definitely a positive, wasn't it?
1: It's fabulous. It's. It would be nice if we had other positives to go along with that.
2: <laughs> I know, but take it back to Harbaugh's Super Bowl season. Um, one of the things that killed us was field goals when we should be getting touchdowns. So uh, I'll take. I'll take this all day long. You know, red zone efficiency. If you're inside that twenty and you come away with three points, the only thing that's being honest is the defense. Well, that's where the hashtag 7Not3s I mean,
0: was born. Um, let's talk about something away from the game for just a minute. In the course of the last week, we were informed that as a group, we've been accepted into the Niner Empire, a worldwide collective of fans and fan groups, as the British representative... What's the word I'm looking for here? Chapter... Chapter? chapter. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's it. British chapter of the Niner Empire. Uh, thanks very much to Rajiv Prasad, who who has helped us through the application process. It's a great thing, isn't it, Deepak?
2: Yeah, it is a great thing because it gives us. <clears throat> more credibility as a as a fan group, so to speak. But only that with the NFL going international and global, the chances of the 49ers perhaps playing here are quite high. So our friends in America, should they come to the UK to see maybe a 49ers game, um, they'll know that they won't be alone, that we're all here, and they'll have people to, to help them out and hang out with. So they just won't be on their own in a foreign country, much in the same way that we get the same hospitality when we're over there. Because when we are in America, I can speak from my own experiences that people have been incredibly hospitable, kind and generous, and uh, it gives us an opportunity to reciprocate that. And not only that, it does give us an opportunity to solidify the fan base globally. It's not just the UK, it's not just the US, it's not just Canada, there's Brazil, there's Germany, there's Australia, there's lots of different countries in the world where we all exist, and it's nice that we can all exist under one banner.
0: Yeah, and we have friends out there right now. Uh, Andre Toynert from the Nine Empire Germany. He's been connected with members of the Nine Empire. Andrew Hodgins out there as well. And our own Brian Davis will be heading out there shortly. Yes, yes that's he is.
2: Right.
1: I actually will be meeting up with him and Laura on the 27th. Yeah, I'm excited.
2: And I fly out the week after the next, but I won't be seeing any of you good people, unfortunately. Where are you heading to, Deepak? Uh, Washington, D.C., for my marathon. How long are you out there for? I'm out there for about uh, a week, maybe, but it's uh, we have a bye week that day, so I won't be missing uh, any 49er games. Well, best of luck to you while you're out there, Deepak.
0: Getting back to the football, I don't want to preview the Bills game properly as we'll be doing that later in the week but give me your initial thoughts as they are now
2: right i think we're going to win this (laughs) okay i say we're going to win this because the last game is over it's done it's completed it's history Uh, but this is a game that's yet to be played and wherever there's a game that's yet to be played uh, i'll always say yeah we have a chance to win this because I know people don't like it when I say any given Sunday, but it might be our given Sunday this time. And I know we don't really want to go into the whole QB thing, but maybe if there is a fresh face under center, that might kickstart things. You know, so um, I'm going to be optimistic and say, despite keeping New England scoreless, I think we have a chance against Buffalo. Cat. What's the media been
0: like out there over how the 49ers are playing currently, the the Bay Area media?
1: They're not – there's a lot of doom and gloom. It's There's a lot of, oh, I can't believe we're going through this again and, you know, all these mistakes and, you know, the talent at quarterback and the talent at this and the talent – you know, and, and there's nothing it's, – it's the team all around they're down on. They are focusing primarily on the, on the quarterback situation just because there's rumors coming out that there might be a change for the Buffalo game, um, but, you know, it, everyone is just kind of, hey, the Giants are still in it, let's root for the Giants, so they're all focusing on baseball, which I have absolutely no care for. <laughs>
2: And, and neither do I.
1: <laughs> I have one baseball team, and, you know, my, my team has been picked apart over the last few years by their general manager, so I guess oh. I'm just a glutton for punishment.
2: <laughs> oh, likewise. When I say I, I support the Baltimore Orioles, I don't. It's just that I find them – it's just it's just them. I mean, if, if that team disappeared off the face of the earth, I wouldn't be crying. You know, it's, yeah, it's just not my thing.
1: I I started supporting the Oakland A's back in 89 and, you know, I've been with them ever since. So
2: money ball, money ball. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, look where it's got us. (laughs) Uh,
0: We've had a question in from Rob Newell regarding the general manager situation. Assuming that bulky is gone at the end of the season and there's a new GM in place, probably Tom Gamble is going to be the GM. How many years of really good drafts do we have to have to be able to compete? And he said probably at least three.
1: Mm, I think that's pushing it, to be honest, because we need to go free agency as well. We can't just rely on the draft. It doesn't work you have to get that veteran leadership in there with playmakers in, in, in whatever position, it doesn't have to be the quarterback. It doesn't have to be the wide receiver. You know, it could be someone who's strong on the offensive line who just takes that captain's badge and, and runs with it, you know, um, timeline, or I think three is pushing it to be honest, but God, I would love it if it were less.
2: Well, there's a precedent of it being less because when, Jim Harbaugh took over, he virtually took Michael Singletary's team and took him to within a fumble of the Super Bowl in his first season. So it may not take that long. all depends on who the right person is. But when you throw into the mix that, you know, right now, of all the fingers of blame that are being pointed everywhere, it encourages me that nobody's pointing them at Chip Kelly. And, 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 I, and, I, and I actually admire that because he's not somebody that I would hold responsible for this just yet. I think you need to give that coach enough time to bet in and get his things going, but to actually rebuild a team or to rebuild this franchise. Now, the one big thing that we have going in our favor is that there's an absolute necessity in every single skill position, be it cornerback, be it receiver, be it tight end, be it offensive lineman, any position on the field, we have a glaring need. So with all these draft picks, it's a question of allocating those picks and and getting the best value that we can. That absolutely needs us to have a general manager that knows what they're doing and they understand not only the depth of the talent that's out there that's available, but how much of that talent could actually extrapolate itself from playing 1A ball into playing in the National Football League. And I've always said this. I think the best players that you find in the draft are not the ones that are playing for the big scores. You find the diamonds in the rough at the late second round, early third round. They're the kind of players that probably won't cost you much money, but they the ones with the points approved. They're the ones, I think, that if we had somebody who could understand the the proper dynamics of college football and could help us efficiently plug those gaps where we've got so many different skill positions right now.
0: Well, that's it for another episode of the show. Thanks to audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Rob Newell, James Little, Mark Lyon kev nail and andrew mitchell Cat victorino gavin sutton and graham ross for all the work they do on the group and the show you can follow us on twitter and instagram at frequency 49 and on facebook search the frequency 49 show it is time to say goodbye oh. goodbye
1: guys <laughs> next time
0: fun. people on behalf of Cat victorino and deepak gohill i've been paul mcdonald you've been the audience and this has been the frequency 49 show bye for now